generation dwells here. And then we moving by the pack, so we moving them. And even if you don't, then you do, cause you cool with them. They be like, I only went to school with them. Welcome to Color Correction, a Jesus Z podcast about race and faith from the perspective of a black girl, an Asian guy, and a white guy too. I'm Andrew. I'm Asian. I use he, him pronouns. And I'm Bethany. I'm black. I use she, her pronouns. I'm Chris. I'm white. I use he, him pronouns. And we are back in the studio. This Which is feels weird. so wild. This is weird. It's so very wild. strange. I'm sitting across from you guys, from your actual meat bodies yeah. in real space. <laughs> it's very strange. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a whole lot of uh, there's a whole lot of goodness in this room right now. It's there pretty it exciting, is. and it's yeah, it's like it's weird coming back. It just feels weird. It yeah. does feel a little weird mm-hmm. though. Now that yeah, I'm yeah. like, when you pointed out that like we're looking in each other's eyes, mm-hmm. then I started feeling weird. Right. Yeah, because yeah, there's all this. There's there are all these like social you know, little cues and interactions, body language, eye contact. Right. Haven't haven't really done right. any, no. especially like we've literally been told like uh-huh. to do this. You may kill your friends over the last year. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's in my head. Right for sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Even though we're fully vaccinated, like this totally makes sense for us to be together. Yeah, but mm-hmm. it still feels kind of naughty. Yeah, that's true. It Did you does. Guys, yeah. Yeah. One of my favorite things to do during the pandemic is ask people about their pandemic dating experiences. <laughs> because hearing you see me immediately grabbing my backpack ready to go. <laughs> All right, well, well, Bethany's gone. That because didn't take long. I love like hearing how people have had to navigate. Like, oh, are we meeting? In, are we meeting in person? Are we meeting mm-hmm. outside? When we meet outside, are we going to wear masks? Who's going right. to be the first one to take the mask off? How do we have this conversation? Like, there's this whole like, but level of consent conversations that happen. There's a lot of consent that has to happen. Luckily for me, I've dated the same hooligans that I've been dating for the on and off for the last 10 years throughout the pandemic. I think I only went on two new dates Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. over the pandemic. So I didn't have to do all of that. You didn't have to do all that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I have so many people that I've talked to have talked about like, oh, like being in a, in a car with somebody is weird. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, where was I going with that? Uh, We're just thinking of all the weird ways that we've spent the last year. Yeah, totally true. Um, did you guys? Uh, do you guys? Here, here's um, after p- me being here right now is an act of faith because because after I got my second shot, I felt n- nothing. I didn't feel anything either. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have any side effects? Um, I did both times, but they were mild. I was just like, uh-huh. I'm surprised I, you had them both times. Yeah. Yeah. Um, different grades of just like feeling run down. Like it just, it, it felt like a, it felt like a 24 hour bug. Yeah. At least but you like felt really something. Like yeah. My arm hurt a bit, but otherwise I was like, did this thing work? Yeah. I feel like they should at least like, I don't know. One of the things that I've come to appreciate... Put, put something in there that will make you sick so you so you know. Or like ring a bell or something. <laughs> you know? That's simple. All ring you need a is bell. a bell. You know, touch my forehead with a feather and be like, you are vaccinated. I mean... Isn't, isn't, it enough of a, isn't it enough of a ritual, though, that like you were stabbed in the arm? Yeah. It's I not mean, enough for you to feel It's like not enough for me. Effect. Like a Marine was just like, all right, you're good. <laughs> Go sit down. All right. Sit there for Andrew's like, minutes. yeah, but where's the shaman? <laughs> yeah. It needs to feel more significant than this, because it like, 
This whole like Ooh. year of death is supposed to end in this moment, and right. that was it. It was like, all right, you're Super done. Super anticlimactic. Yeah, kind true. of. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Wait 15 minutes and then leave. Right, and nobody tells you to leave. They're no, just like you just sit there and you get up yourself and walk out the door. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's super strange. Um. So that's that's where we are, and I guess as a way to in our first episode back. Um, what we're gonna do is answer questions. We're Q and A episode from all these from that we've got. We've gathered a bunch of questions um, that people have sent to us from all over. Uh, so this should be fun. Yeah, yeah. I, I should say I I I don't think you should listen to this episode. If Why? You, if, if you haven't listened to the last three, I would just say like do your homework before you listen to this episode. This is. This is the prize. You think so? I, I think that's the Okay, I like that build up. Yeah. Cut that out when this comes out. <laughs> so people what? don't doubt us now. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I have really enjoyed the last three episodes. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess we typically start our podcast by talking about what we, uh, observations or comments or things we want to add from previous episodes. Mm-hmm. I guess formally our last three episodes... Well, I had the mini-sode where I talked to my cousin, Justin. I, that counts. Mm. Do you have any corrections from that? Do I have any corrections from that? I guess the one thing that I kind of wish I had I added was when I t- was talking about, I do believe that like no matter who you are, it's very clear that sin is a condition of the world. Like mm. in, in that like the world is a messed up place, basically. Yeah. Yeah. I think as Christians, we we believe that the world is a messed up place but that that brokenness is not inherent to the world that that the world is good and it has been broken mm. and somehow in Jesus's death and resurrection that restores the world it. right yeah. so i guess that's the only caveat as a christian that's what i believe i there are other faith traditions that talk about different ways of repairing the world i think a lot of faith traditions do acknowledge that the world is a messed up place mm-hmm. and even if you don't believe in god at all it's kind of hard to get around the fact that the world's kind of messed up so mm-hmm. i guess that's that's the only thing i wanted to add to that um, I don't know. What did you guys think of that episode? I I don't know. Like, not being in the last few episodes has endeared me to the two of you a lot. Like, I've, <laughs> I've, I've like I've really just enjoyed like even more just like hearing your perspectives. I like mm. I love the cousin energy between um between Andrew and that's Justin. true. You also weren't here for the uh, episode before that when we we that we talked to when we talked to Johnny. Yeah, yeah you what haven't you been th- in an you... episode in like a month. You know, yeah, that's weird. What would you, you think about that? What did you think about our conversation with Johnny? Um, man, now I feel like that one's too long. <laughs> Chris reviews color correct. <laughs> Andrew's, Andrew's like putting me on the spot. Did you really listen to it? Um, no, I I don't know. I just like I think what we're doing is pretty significant. Um, and the and the conversations because they're relational, like, in, like so. There's like there's this like micro and macro that's happening that mm-hmm. I just like I think is so important. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really love the I just I love the relational conversations where mm-hmm. like it's it's out of these friendships that we're talking about really big things. So mm-hmm. it's it's both and it's it's beautiful. Yeah, we talk about really big things mm-hmm. casually. Yeah, like. The three of us being, you know, three different people from three different um, cultural backgrounds, um, talking about why we go to such a white church. I just think that's really special. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Because I think a lot of people, a lot of people of color, just go to a white church because whiteness is the standard, and they really don't think that much about it. But to 
be intentional about the space in which you worship and to like really think out why you choose worshiping at that space as a person of color. Mm-hmm. I think that was a really special conversation. I yeah. agree with you, Chris. Me too. And it's and it's a critique we're having in a public space about our church. Mm-hmm. I think that's unusual. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That is that is I I agree that is meaningful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. All right. So I want to jump right into it. Yeah. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Okay. First question on the docket <clears throat> here comes. Uh, docket. That's very interesting. <laughs> <of you. laughs> uh. It. I, so this one uh, I think came to us from our Slack, but it's um. How do y'all feel now about POC versus BIPOC, or how about Bila B I L A? Um. Tell us. Tell us again what Bila is. Uh. We black, to, indigenous, and Latina? Black, or? indigenous, la, Latin, X, and Asian? Is that it? I th- We asked for clarification about this. We did. It's funny. No, I mean, we don't even... We don't even was it in text or was it... It was in the was, Slack. It was in the Slack. Please hold. Yeah. Beth, Bethany. Byla, question mark, exclamation mark, question mark, exclamation mark. Uh, black, indigenous, Latin American, and or Asian. That was my inner angry white man that doesn't want to learn new things. Yeah. No, that's I could feel that. I could feel that energy. Uh, All those exclamation points. Yeah. It wasn't my best. Who? How do, how do you feel? Well, how do you guys feel? Do you feel like an inner angry white man who has to learn a new term? I am outerly, yes. Like I, I have the same, I have the same reaction just every time a new term comes along. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, I'm like, I. Why does that piss us off? I don't know. You know, it, like I, I what mean, does that actually Beth, do to us? I think we're getting old. Oh God. <laughs> I mean, that could be part of it. Here's one thing that I am thinking a lot about. Um, I don't like at, that. At a lot of, at a lot of the. Um, at a lot of the anti-Asian hate demonstrations that I've been to for the past few weeks, this is completely anecdotal. One thing I've noticed is that there aren't a lot of white people there. Interesting. There are a lot of Asian folks. There are a decent amount of black folks. There are very few white people. And one thing that I've been thinking about is, like, why is it that white people, if you go to, like, Black Lives Matter pro- marches, it's, like, 60% mm-hmm. white people. People are people. losing their yeah. fucking minds. They yeah. love some Black Lives Matter. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like they love it as much as they love, like, mayonnaise. <laughs> um, yeah. Here's my working theory, though. I think it's because white people want to live in a world where there's white and there's black. Mm-hmm. And they know how to think about black people. Mm-hmm. Black people are... Or how they should think about black right. people. Yeah, and they feel guilty if they don't think about it. Right. And they know how they think about themselves, which is guilty. <laughs> um, <laughs> but otherwise, they don't really think about anybody else. Mm-mm. And I mean, I'm not... I'm not I, I under, there are reasons for that. It's, I'm, I'm not trying to make white people feel guilty about that. There are like social reasons why the white-black dichotomy is like the standard in this country. Yeah, it sort of draws the outline. Right. And I mean, I, I think maybe maybe some white people are like, well, at least I don't only think about white people, which is true because there are white people out there that, are there that, that only think, think about, about white people. people. Yeah. yeah. So like thinking about like white people and black people, if anything, is a step up. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously like race. <laughs> but is... they might be angry about like having to add in Asians just like um, <laughs> you're, you're mad. You and I are mad about having to use Bila. Right. Yeah. <laughs> now we right. have to think about Asians. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I wonder if it's just like they, they because they haven't had to think about the other people they they don't mm-hmm. of course we who exist in those gray areas yeah uh have to think about 
those have, have to think about other ways of intersectionality. We don't have a choice. I think that's true about black people too, because specifically, like, to be black isn't just to be black. Mm-hmm. There are gradations within blackness, mm-hmm. and you have to navigate those gradations. Mm-hmm. Um, so, here's my whole point, though, is that. In our first episode, we talked about how POC is kind of insufficient. And I think, like, what has struck me is that despite the fact that we use things, that we say things like POC or BIPOC or, or BILA, um, white people still aren't showing up to anti Asian hate demonstrations. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's because when white people say POC, they really just mean black. They do, yeah. yeah. I think they do. <laughs> yeah. And remember, Chris, you kind of said that in our first yeah, episode. Yeah, totally. That totally. when you think of a person of color, you, you're thinking of a black person. Right. It feels like the new black person. So yeah, yeah absolutely, mm-hmm. I agree with you. Yeah. So I think that's where my skepticism about some of these new terms comes from. Because I like the idea of explicitly saying like, of like explicitly saying like black indigenous POC. Like POC is separate from black or indigenous. Mm-hmm. Or B-I-L-A mm-hmm. includes those categories. But I, but I also think like it's still insufficient because white people are just going to be like, oh, this is the new way to refer to, to black, black people. Right, mm-hmm. right. And, and like, the question still remains, like, do you see me? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, I actually like BIPOC way better than person of color. Mm. I feel way more connected to BIPOC mm-hmm. because I think it speaks to what we spoke to in the first episode, that we have different experiences with mm-hmm. navigating white supremacy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, like, distinguishing that feels important. So I, over the last two years, I, I use BIPOC a lot, way more than I would person of color. Interesting. Yeah. Does it make a difference to you? I mean, the there's there's an A in there for you if you want it. I'm so used Bipaca? to. BIPOC? That <laughs> no, sounds like Bila. somebody's name. <laughs> now, now, it's, now it's a Star Wars episode. <laughs> no, I mean like, like Bila. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Bila's new for me. It's going to take me a while to get used to that one, too. I've been, I'm so used to just already including myself in person of color or BIPOC okay. that I don't necessarily need myself to be explicitly identified. But then again, I've been thinking a lot about how maybe I should take up more space. Yeah. <laughs> like Justin. Yeah, exactly. Like Justin, who has been loud his entire life. <laughs> On purpose. Yeah, Totally. Um, so I, you know, maybe, maybe I do need to like insist on a designation that actually addresses like, that actually in, includes me specifically Asian. Yeah. 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 So maybe, I don't know. I got to think about it. Yeah. Let's try and say Byla more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. Cool. You heard it here first. I mean, in terms of that, uh, decision, <laughs> I guess it'll be on all our branding now. Um, unless Andrew edits it out (laughs) (laughs) so next question comes to us from our Instagram Uh, do you have to be a Bible follower to be a Christian I think so I just think you have to follow the Bible intentionally and apply it to I guess your context now right like people that just use the Bible blindly Mm -hmm. um, they're annoying (laughs) I can't think of a better way or graceful way of describing that. Mm. But I I, I know a lot of Christians (laughs) that are like, yeah, I like Jesus. I don't really fuck with the Bible. And I'm like, I kind of feel like you have to fuck with the Bible to be a Christian. Like, Mm. that's kind of our, like, ancient historical text that does have something for us. Mm -hmm. You, I think the effort should be 
to connect with that text. I think that should be like a discipline is figuring out a way to connect with it. Yeah. And what do you guys think? Well, I'm, 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 I'm wrestling through like the have to part because like, our like the, the Bible is, is largely revelation um, in periods of time where things were written down. Hmm. Okay. Um, and so it's not like, it's not like the people we are, um, we're coming after necessarily had a book to read. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is also really helpful. Like, like if, if you, if you have access to a Bible to like contextualize yourself in the long standing tradition, um, mm. and, and, and like, and the record of all our ancestors. Right. Um, mm-hmm. So it's not like, I don't know if it's a have to, but I'm just like, why wouldn't you want to? Mm. Yeah. I think you, if you don't want to, I think you should explore what's keeping you from the, from wanting to. Mm-hmm. I do think, I do wonder how, um, I mean, the question here isn't, do you have to be a Bible follower to be saved? Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Whatever that means. Right. That's so funny <laughs> that you use the word saved. Yeah. But it is, do you have to be a Bible follower to be a Christian? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I'm connecting with what you guys are saying. I I think God expresses God's self in different ways throughout the world. Mm-hmm. And, in, mm-hmm. and I think that's true, Chris, exactly what you're saying, is in that, like, the Bible itself was written, was written in periods of, like, it, when the New Testament was happening, they weren't reading the New Testament. No. They were living it. Yeah. You know? uh, and similarly, like, people we don't just get our theology just from the bible we can get it from our experiences mm-hmm. from the from our songs from our ancestors mm-hmm. um but having said that like the bible is part of that tradition mm-hmm. it's it can it's part of our faith experience mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so why not access it if you have access to it mm-hmm. uh i think god will probably try to reach out to you wherever you are mm-hmm. but the bible's there too yeah totally i also think it gets dangerous like if you're a Christian and you're a part of like a church, but you're not accessing the Bible for yourself, mm. I feel like that leaves room for the Bible to be weaponized against you mm. in ways. So yeah. true, yeah. Yeah, and I think accessing the Bible for yourself and applying it to the context that you're in mm-hmm. gives you agency in your relationship with Christ. Mm-hmm. I, also, I think it's really important. I was thinking it also helps you not mix in the culture. Mm-hmm. Like and think that's the Bible. Mm-hmm. Like, well, it's. I think that's actually impossible because our socialization in this culture influences the way we even read things. You sure. know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like I always read that verse where Jesus calls that woman a dog mm-hmm. as Jesus being an asshole. Yeah. Like, remember that one cell where yeah. like two white guys were like, "No, nah, I don't feel that way." Like, I forget what they said. <laughs> I, do, I do too. But they totally mm-hmm. were like, "No, nah, I don't feel like Jesus was being an asshole," and I was like. Jewish people did not like Samaritans. Jesus was being an asshole. So, like, the way you're socialized yeah. influences your understanding of things. So, I'm not, I, I can't quite yeah. agree with um, reading the Bible keeps you from the culture mixing it in. I guess, I guess I think about, like, nationalism. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Like, I, I think about those aspects of the culture that, like, so closely parallel mm-hmm. the Bible, but are not actually biblical or christian it's actually a way to like create a hybrid so the state has power with Mm -hmm. certain groups of people Mm -hmm. Um, yeah no i I get what you're saying yeah i i i don't even know if they necessarily parallel the bible it's just that 
There are reasons there are, there are these paintings that conservatives paint of like Jesus holding the Constitution. Yeah. Um, and if you read the Bible, you know that that's yeah, that's, that's whack. idolatry. That's evil. <laughs> right. That's not yeah. that's not anything close to the Bible. Right. But if all you have is your cultural is your cultural uh, that's exactly thing. It. You know, where the Constitution and the Bible and the Declaration of Independence are all on the same level. Um, you're getting into some potentially heretical territory. Right. So I agree. Like, read the Bible to stop yourself from falling into those kinds of ways of thought that are mm-hmm. that will, are bad for you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, I think we should probably emphasize that, like, the Bible isn't the only thing i would also be nervous about putting somebody in a room with just the bible well yes and no and like no community yeah nothing else yeah totally uh because i think that's how you get weird mm-hmm. which takes us to our next question which comes to us from 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 the gram again how do we keep our dads from getting so isolated <laughs> and weird in their old age yeah i feel like i'm talking shit about my dad if i answer this question Oh, I am. I am for sure, but I know he doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> I guess I'm the only one who's lucky enough not to have a parent that listens to the podcast. So I'm. I, Wait, your dad. This listens? next ten minutes yeah. will just be me talking shit about my dad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how you keep your dad from getting weird and isolated in their old age because I think masculinity, mm-hmm. like the socialization of masculinity, mm-hmm. causes men to isolate because mm-hmm. I feel like men are socialized to believe that they already have all the answers and they have to present as knowing everything and like being this authority figure that to be vulnerable enough to seek friendship Mm -hmm. and connection feels like a pussy move or something. Mm -hmm. So if you're not like really challenging or have the tools to challenge your masculinity as you get old, I think you are just going to fucking isolate and get weird. Yeah. So maybe a better question than is like, how do we not get weird? I mean, that's... Yeah, how do you two I, not get weird? That's a good question. Moms yeah. get more charming the older they get. My mom is <laughs> great now that she's old and not as, like, well, we spry We've met your quick. mom like this. Mm-hmm. That, yeah. Oh, we love Lily that, Grace. Yeah. That definitely works. I called Lily Grace. I'm thinking of Joshua Grace's daughter. Rose Eden, my mom, you're in this You're in this too. You're definitely You're definitely near and dear. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know the answer to this question. I don't know how to... I don't know what to do about my dad. Sorry. All, all of us, all of our dads have gotten weird and isolated in their old age. And I yeah. think like I, I, to a limited extent, do reach out to my dad and just be like, hey, hey. <laughs> uh, what are you, what are you up to? How's the weather? That's like the extent of my interaction with him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, and that's kind of my attempt to keep him from getting too isolated. And even then it's like, should I be doing more? I feel some guilt about that, that I have, that I I'm wrestling with. Yeah. Yeah, totally. But yeah. um, but how do we, st- Chris? How do you and I stop ourselves from becoming what happens to literally every middle-aged man? And I say, like, I know very few middle-aged men that don't become weird, old, and isolated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time you and I had this conversation was around this time last year, um, on a bus to our resort. Oh dang! Yeah, I remember that. Um. And it's really stuck with me. We should have recorded that. Yeah, like that that conversation. Oh yeah, y'all sat together. Mm-hmm. Andrew Andrew has been in my head ever wow. since. Thank you. Um, Flattering. On, on that on that. <laughs> Andrew's blushing, y'all. <laughs> yeah, totally. And um, I don't know. I mean, like for for me, that's kind of a starting place. Like I I do 
there's a certain warning in that conversation that I've been trying to heed ever since because, um, I mean, yeah, like as, as I get older, I do feel like getting more set and more, um, especially if you're married too, mm-hmm. like your yeah. wife can just be your person. Yeah. yeah. And that's not going to work for Janine. And that's not healthy for Janine No, either. like, like yeah. she, she's not going to stick around with me in that. <laughs> like she uh-huh. won't like, and, yeah. and good for her. Like, right. she, like she, I could hear Janine being like, Chris, you need some other friends. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and, and honestly, that's actually not something, I, let me say in another way, that's something she has said to me. Like, oh, interesting. I am like, I am a highly extroverted person. Mm-hmm. Um, which presents as like having a lot of friends and I, and I do, but like, I think what we're talking about here is actually intimacy and that's actually, that's actually much more difficult to achieve. Like I can have thousands of Facebook friends and, and have no one that really knows me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think I'm still kind of skirting around what exactly to do, but I, I like, I do think about like the friends of mine who I've like lived in community with, um, and the times in my life where like we've really built in mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. meeting together to like hash real things out and pray together and i think like if if anything it's it's that like continued intentionality mm-hmm. um because the drift will take you out into lonely places if mm-hmm. you let it like you have mm-hmm. to keep moving your arms and pushing against the current right um in in communities of faith like mm-hmm. ours and in like specific relationships mm-hmm. yeah for sure. It's also difficult because uh, we are pushing up against like the social expect like the social expectation of masculinity. Mm-hmm. The idea like just like Beth was saying, like these expectations that like you're a s- strong and independent and you know what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Um and the fact that like society doesn't explicit society creates like um structures like marriage, like institutions uh, you know, like parenthood. Um, but the idea of having like intimate friends for men, mm-hmm. um, not so much like that doesn't really seem endemic to the culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm thinking again about my wife and some of the Beth. And I, th- I think, I think you're in here too, from what I, from what I know about you and your, in your friendships, like I really see her seek out relationship Mm -hmm. um like she has a she has this core group of friends that they meet every three months like they have like a solstice meeting where they just like spend time connecting and and talking about what's what's new and they like they have this like ongoing ritual Mm -hmm. i don't have that with anybody Mm -hmm. Um, i don't have anything like that um and it's it's kind of amazing yeah it's kind of amazing to see. So, like, I could use that as one template, like, because um, it's, I see its value. Mm-hmm. I think this next generation of young men are going to be different because I feel like we've grown up in a society where men are always trying not to be gay. Like, mm. do you, like, growing up, you remember how everybody sure. would be like, yeah. oh, that's gay or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's, like, the context. And I was always a really sensitive person, so I was always, like... Hypersensitive to that? Well, I wasn't hypersensitive to it as much as, like, that was people's suspicion of me. Interesting. Like, yeah. Mm. 
I'm walking with What a thing to be suspicious of, too, by the way. Right. And I think that's what I'm getting at. I feel like this new generation is not going to be concerned with that, right? Like, they're not going to live in this world. I don't know. I'm not a gay person. A gay person might be listening to this and be like, Bethany needs to shut her cishet ass up. Like, that that anti-gay sentiment still exists. But for me as a straight person observing, it feels a little bit different. And I feel like men are freer from this idea of constantly trying to prove their sexuality that like I wonder if young men will be able to have better friendships and they won't feel like if they're too close to a man that people are going to suspect that they're gay or they'll be suspicious that they're gay too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like I think we see that, I I tend to see that in our entertainment. Like Mm -hmm. there, there are more examples of men who aren't just like solidly independent um, like strong to the to the point of just being irritating. Yeah. Um, there's there's like there there's a gradient when you look at like the examples we're given through like television mm-hmm. and movies. There's there's many more examples of people who don't fit into like a traditional tiny gender role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is good. Yeah. Mm. I want to make sure that I'm being very clear in what I'm saying, too, for the podcast. Mm-hmm. I I appreciate the fact that we're not confined by this idea that to be gay is bad anymore. Yeah. And that people are free to be themselves. That we're not constantly thinking of gayness or being gay mm-hmm. as the worst thing that you can be and you have to constantly fight being that worst thing i appreciate that people are free from that because we we should have been years ago mm-hmm. yeah no i i hear you for sure um i didn't want anybody to think that i was saying like being gay is actually bad i didn't get that okay, yeah good. i can keep the qualification in um, okay, yeah. So, uh, in this next question, what are you proud of that you did during the pandemic anyway? Ooh. What am I proud of that I did during the... I got published. You did, just yeah, recently. in February. Right yeah. On. Yeah, I spent a lot of time really honing in on my writing skills over the pandemic, and really, I even started writing poetry. It's not very good, but I'm doing it. Um, but I really tapped into, I think I'm a really gifted writer. That's one thing that I can say I'm really good at. Awesome. Um, so getting published, um, has been a lot of affirmation for me. Yeah. Mm. Um, (laughs) I thinking about that, like I did, I did like restart my, uh, my website and, uh, and, and and started writing a little bit because I've been inspired by, by people like you who've like been doing it. Um, but the... (laughs) The thing that I'm, the thing that first came to mind for me actually was pickles. <laughs> um, pickles. This this last year, being at home all the time, um, put me in the the backyard a lot. Like, uh-huh. at, in, like in the course of a work day, I could go out back, I could water, yeah. I could, and I just like watched the world in my tiny twelve by twelve backyard grow. Um, and at the end of the season at different times like Janine and I canned different things so like we opened this jar of pickles this last week that I that I that I canned back in August and they're they're delicious nice <laughs> right on um and I'm I am really proud I'm I'm, I'm proud of all the canning that's nice yeah that's great and I've gotten some of those goods too so yes appreciate it. cool that's really great uh 
uh, what am I proud of that I did? He, uh, at the beginning of uh, at the beginning of 2020, I was like, this is the year of the open mic for me. <laughs> 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 I was like, I'm gonna, cause I actually, um, I was talking to, I was on, I, uh, I'm a musician. Yeah, you can say that. Yeah, okay. You're a musician, yeah, why Andrew. Why are you so slow to say that? Because it's, I, I was saying this to, I'm going to be on the Pastures podcast when it comes out. I think it came out today, right? I think it comes it, out on Thursday. Our, our interview Resist and Restore. Resist and Restore. It, um, um, but one of the things I said to Johnny was like, I, I tend to keep my like my different spheres separate because I'm afraid that if you know me from one and you know I'm doing all this different stuff, you won't take me seriously in any of it. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Wow. That's interesting. What makes you feel that way? I just, Do you not take people seriously when you know them outside of I their just profession? Feel, I don't know. I just feel like if I knew somebody who was like, oh, you really are like a songwriter slash podcaster oh, yeah. slash activist slash lawyer, you're probably shitty at all of them. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of how I would. I mean, so if because we don't live in a fiefdom where like you have to be a a blacksmith your whole life. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just. <laughs> like, really my point is way. like if you know that I do these things and you judge me for it, I'm to- I'm oh, totally on your side. I would judge me too. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, that's yeah. hilarious. Because like you You're are crazy. a musician. Uh, You're yeah. a really good musician. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Like, that, Every time you pop up on one of the uh, church meetings, I'm like, thank God. Yeah. Yeah. So um, at um, the beginning of the songwriter too. Mm, yeah. Last last week I was like on people's screens every day. It was crazy. It was a crazy week. <laughs> I'm quite exhausted to be honest. <laughs> um, but yeah, at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of 2020, I was like gonna do open mics multiple times a week, and then obviously that didn't happen. Right. Uh, but I did. But I did get a decent amount of writing done. I ha- I I I posted. I started posting stuff on my on the Instagram. Uh, on my on my personal Instagram, um, and um, so I'm, I'm I'm glad I was able to do that. Yeah, yeah. So we all like we one thing we did we is we wrote more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We all wrote more. We all created more. True. That's right. interesting. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We're lucky to have been able to do that. Um, so, um, who will play you in the biopic of your life? Well, I want Idris Elba to play me. <laughs> Well, Idris Elba would do an incredible job. We all know that. He'd get your voice down. He's so good he at would. accents. He would. He really could. He would. Idris Elba as Chris Eden is incredible. Yeah. I can just hear the movie guy voice like, like an Idris Elba. I just you as know like Chris I I know Eden. I know who you all want to play me, and I don't want that. I don't want Jim Carrey. I don't want Bill Nye the Science Guy. That's funny. I thought Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. That's a good one. Yeah, if he cut his hair off, that's the first person I thought. But of. no, Idris Elba. Mm. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. It's so funny. Who do you want, Andrew? Um. Hmm. Who do I want? I feel like at any one time there's only like two Asian actors. <laughs> yeah. So I don't I don't know. I, I guess I guess I'll go with uh BD Wong when he was young would have been a good you. Mm-hmm. Cause, but he's like 20 years older than you now. Yeah, but he looks he looks great for his age. I'm going to go with BD Wong. Also, he's like nice. I like his voice too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about you, Beth? I used to say Danielle Brooks from um Orange is the New Black. But I've lost weight, and there's no, like, average-sized black girl out there that kind of looks like me anymore. Mm. So I'll still go with Danielle Brooks. She's great. She is really good. Nice. Yeah. She played Mahalia Jackson this weekend. It was a really good movie. Really? In what movie? Um, Mahalia. 
<laughs> on uh, Lifetime. <laughs> on Lifetime is obsessed with biopics or biopics mm-hmm. about like random black people. They had a movie about the Clark sisters that huh. was so good, the gospel singers. Okay. So does that mean they've stopped Salt murdering suburban women on all their... And they just do biopics of black people from the 80s and 90s. They had a salt and pepper one. I think they also had a Wendy Williams one recently. Like any sort of random black person from the like 80s and 90s, they have a biopic. I mean, Wendy Williams is still going. I, well, I was about to say Mahalia Jackson is still going, but that's not true. Danielle <laughs> Brooks is still going. I had her in my mind. <laughs> the uh, next question, again, from the Slack. Many people are leaving the city, and it got me thinking. Someday, I may have to move. How do I, as a white person, move and cause the least amount of harm? I see white flight or gentrification as the only options. Dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Um. I also like their caution. If this is too much of, tell me what to do, I'm a fragile white person, you can tell me to go pan, pound sand on this one. <laughs> Appreciate the qualification there. I do too. It's also I, not a bad question. It's a yeah, good question. And it's a yeah, very it's good question. Really good I, question. I think the thing that I see driving a lot of these decisions is schools, mm-hmm. um, which makes it harder for me to like wade into those waters. I don't have children, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's hard for me to be like prescriptive when like I don't have a dog in that fight. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I don't know. I, I think that's all I want to say about that. Like, yeah, that's a really tough issue. That is a really tough question. I don't feel equipped to answer it, so wow. I'm going to look yeah, at Chris, Andrew. Yeah, Chris, I mean, you want me. Thanks. Thanks for throwing me under the bus <laughs> to answer well, this well, question. Uh, we can, we can, like, we, we trust Andrew. We, we can round two this, too. Let's see what I mean, Andrew comes up with. I don't know. Chris, that's an really interesting throwing in the dimension of kids because that's totally true. That is why people leave the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think in general, I mean, all none of us, all three of us are sitting here None of us have kids at this point. Um, and uh, Give me one or two more years, guys. I'm a woman. I have to move fast. <laughs> my, my clock is ticking. I, and I'll be in, the, in Montgomery County. Here's, uh, here, when, I, when I said earlier that like sin is a condition of the world, this is what I mean. Yeah. I mean that we exist mm-hmm. in a world in which the the even the like the choices that you make without any intention of causing anybody's harm mm-hmm. are going to oppress and mm-hmm. afflict somebody mm-hmm. right and that is awful mm-hmm. it's awful that we live in a society where like where you choose to move is going to uh reflect on you morally and it's a moral choice and you know there's some conviction no matter what you do like you're trying to look out for your kids mm-hmm. you want a place with a yard um, and, but unfortunately, like, there's moral judgment there. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think in general, as we move through the world, we look at ways that we can live to mitigate the harm that we do as much as we can, while also acknowledging that we can't, we can't completely be sinless. Yeah. There is no one righteous, not even one. Mm-hmm. Um, and for those instances, again, as Christians specifically, we depend on on the grace, on the grace of God to make these tough choices, to mm-hmm. acknowledge that, like, I can't make a perfect choice. Mm-hmm. This is the best thing I can do in the circumstance. Please forgive me. Um, 
So, I mean, I think for everybody, it's different. Yeah. You know, for everybody, everybody's weighing a different set of conditions and choices and factors and how they're going to make these decisions. Mm -hmm. And everybody's, and I certainly hope that among those factors, you are thinking about things like gentrification, like white flight, like where is my money going to go? Where's my tax money Mm -hmm. going to go? Are there other ways that I can keep wealth from leaving communities that need it? Are there other ways that I can funnel wealth to people and communities that need it and have been historically deprived of it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hope those are also things that you're weighing in addition to, like, how can I give my kids a good education? Yeah. So I would love – I don't know that this is happening anywhere. I would love to know that there are are some groups in some suburbs, and I think about – I just think about the disparity between – Philadelphia and and its surrounding suburbs in terms of like this issue of schooling and how much better schools are when you leave Philadelphia County mm-hmm. as a like public schools not private schools just like your run of the mill down the street school mm-hmm. um, and that's that's taxes it's all driven by it's all driven by like um, land and, mm-hmm. and and tax on on property. And I'd love to know that there are groups out there in the suburbs that are fighting for a fair funding model that actually is like regional, mm-hmm. not just county to county, um, that, that actually like settles some of that displacement that happens because people who can get out with kids mm-hmm. will get out mm-hmm. um, and, and just leave these neighborhoods further and further in tatters. The other thing I think about is um, there are actually a lot of in, in my neighborhood, there's actually, like, a Friends of the Neighborhood School. Like, there's a group of people who are, like, trying to be more involved in the school who don't necessarily have kids in that school. That might be, that might be something. Like, if, you're, if this is a, a thing you're thinking about, like, mm-hmm. see what's going on in your schools and see if there's ways you can be involved just around the school issue. I mean, that, that's, I'm really just tackling it from, from one angle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's, this is not something I've done either. I've just been watching as these groups get started. Um, but I think that – I think – those kinds of ways of thinking certainly help that like it's not just yeah if if we can get out of the like our kids as like a nuclear model and into something that like thinks about the children in our neighborhood as ours too we can probably start to talk more about these issues mm-hmm. yes yeah i agree um yeah so um next question is cereal a soup explain <laughs> Uh, and cereal's I'm, not a fucking soup. Where did this question soup? come from, by the way? Uh, like this, this came, feels like a Johnny discussion. No, it's not. This is this is a hundred percent our. Um, this is our social media director Tess mm-hmm. who insisted who that we answered us, so. this question. So we have to answer it. <laughs> right, she does so good on our social media. <laughs> she does. We, we can't fall out of. Her we just gave her all our pictures too. We just basically we handed her the reins. So is cereal a soup? Explain. Um... Chris, is cereal a soup? I love the demand to explain. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah, she's a teacher, and it feels like. Um, it. <laughs> wow, I feel like I'm going to be tricked into saying yes with anything that I put out there. Mm. Um, you have to add milk to cereal. You... Oh, that's a great question. Is cereal by itself a soup? I don't think cereal by itself, by any measure, is a soup. Well, it isn't until you add liquid. Yes, but when it when it's cereal, cereal even with milk. the liquid added is not fucking soup. But, but I guess it's like so. So that would also be like, are the like, are the little crunchies you put on top of the soup part of the like? Are they soup? What? No, because that's all cereal is. <laughs> 
Yes. They're a... I would call them a pasta dish. I wouldn't call it a soup. Oh, really? I would it's... call SpaghettiOs a soup. It's almost really? soupy enough to be soup. Like there has to be, I think there's like a ratio here it's that's like important of like liquid to substance. Little pasta Cheerios floating in a, like a tomato soup, right? <laughs> I guess it is a tomato soup. Right. Unless unless you think of it as a pasta. I mean like unless this takes a pasta. it down all kinds this of is, this yeah, is This is going in, in but a that's different good. direction. Thank you for We're asking. thinking of anything that involves liquid Is cereal liquid a soup? Now? It can be. Cereal is, it can is be hot as or cold much like soup. soup as a hot dog is a sandwich. And oh. that's my answer. All right. Thank Wh- you. Which is that it's not a sandwich, though. Exactly. I hope I hope she ends up quoting you on Instagram. This is like... Anyway, is cereal a soup? I mean, I, I would say no. I would say in order answer. to be a soup, it has to undergo some kind of cooking process, some kind of transformation. And I think that's, it has to involve a broth. It doesn't transform. That's a very good point. Yeah, that's, my, that's what I say. I could be wrong. I'm, we're, not, we're not a culinary podcast for that you have to listen to johnny on resistance <laughs> that's right follow him at food pastor. yeah at food pastor just everybody who's listening to this <laughs> follow at dm food at food pastor <laughs> is your... cereal soup <laughs> everybody ask him that everybody <laughs> but don't just ask him make sure you tell him why you think it is or isn't <laughs> all right um all right what are some alternatives to war that countries could settle their differences with and this person is looking for, it can't be a serious, oh, it can't be a realistic or serious answer. <laughs> I was like, I was ready to come at this question with like, what are some serious, what are, what are international law treaties? But oh, it can't be a realistic or serious answer. Dang. All right. Um, you can give a serious answer if you want to. I don't, I don't have one. I'm glad. I think praise miming. Yes, that's how I want us to praise my mom. (laughs) (laughs) What's your answer, Chris? Uh, Oh, man, I'm not feeling terribly funny on this one. Um, I got nothing. You want a second praise miming? (laughs) Yeah, you know what? Nothing. All right. Uh, My answer is uh, Dungeons and Dragons. Oh, (laughs) that's a good one, too. That is good. Uh, all right. Do you think you have an accent? Hell no. I sound like a very regular American. I've worked really hard my whole life. As to people sound of color, we work like hard a regular as American. to sound like a regular American. <laughs> With no accent. And I, I want to sound sure... like I'm from Ohio. Yes. The Midwestern accent. Yes. Wait, That's so, the one that you want. So do I have an accent? I mean, no. real, n- n- I don't. Realistically speaking, we all have an yeah, accent. Yeah, yeah. Right. But like. But do you have like a recognizable, like, could I place you geographically from listening to you? No. 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 But then again, Colorado is like the Midwest. It is. It's funny. I... Is it the Midwest? Isn't it? Is it I considered like the West? West. Southwest. It's the Southwest? It's actually the yeah. Southwest. I don't... I My geography it, it, west of the Mississippi is non-existent. Which, which like, oh, is definitely, yeah. like, regionally, uh-huh. like, if, if, like, if you're just looking at it geographically, there's no way it's the Southwest. Okay. But it... Because it's it, kind of, like, right in yeah. the center of all those states on but that we, side. But we prefer to claim what's happening down south than what's happening out east, which is like Kansas. <laughs> okay. We're like, we so. want to be more like these guys. <laughs> um, but do you do you think you have an accent? Um, around here I do. That is for sure. Huh. Really? I mean... Well, you don't sound like you're from Philly. Yeah, no, you that's what I mean. Don't sound like you know, you're from like, Philly. Yeah. No, compared to compared to like the people in my neighborhood, mm. I have an accent. Do you ever wish you had an accent? 
Do you ever a wish Philly you accent? Like them? Yeah. No. <laughs> I I love being able to go into any room. I love this is my favorite thing. I love having a phone interview mm. and then walking in for the actual interview. Mm. Because the motherfuckers are never looking for mm, me. I hear that. Because I get on the phone, hey, I'm Bethany Stewart, Yo. you know, trauma-informed, and then I come in, and they're like, uh, Bethany Stewart, and they <laughs> look like... right over my head every time. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. I, I, had a, I was talking on the phone with a client yesterday, and they were like, what's your name? And I was like, I'm Andrew Yang. And she was like, oh, I, I, you're, I, they sent me your picture. I, you look Chinese. <laughs> and I was like, well, I am Chinese. <laughs> and she was like... You don't sound Chinese. <laughs> oh my god! The oh my audacity! God. But I, I mean, you look Chinese. That's a hilarious oh. thing to say to some somebody that you're talking to. I know. To. Wow. Um, I mean, it, this was all over the phone. So all she had was my voice, and I guess I didn't sound Chinese. And your last name. I mean, yeah. It's funny that even after she heard my name, she was like, oh, I thought you were Chinese. That's hilarious. <laughs> but then I heard your voice. <laughs> All right. And I'm assured that you're a confident white man. Yeah. It's like, what? I've had it happen to me with you, though, Andrew. That one time you called me and oh. said with authority, okay, I'm recording right now. I and know. I was just like, What okay. did I do? <laughs> like, how bad is it? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Who's my next phone call? <laughs> That's exactly what I was thinking. And then as we started talking, I was like, shit, this is Andrew. <laughs> um, all right. So um, let's uh, let's answer this last question here, uh, which is, what does being an ally mean to you? First and foremost, white people, you cannot dub yourself an ally. Like... That's not, I feel like white people take on being an ally as if it's a fucking badge and they automatically get to go to cookouts and like eat grandma's banana pudding. Mm -hmm. Like, no, that's not something for you to proclaim about yourself and then like flaunt. There's, um, there's a rule in the deaf community, um, about, about your name, like your sign name. They give it to you. They give it to you. Um, yeah, like the, like. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, and that that's really like your that's really your indication that you're a part of that community is when like a, a deaf friend gives you your sign name. It's a, like mm-hmm. it's a really beautiful sentiment, and I, I think like, so too. I, I, Do you think you're an ally? Oh man, this feels trick like this, question. This, this feel like this feels like the soup and cereal Am question. Am I setting you up? <laughs> um, I do. Okay, I do. What makes um, you feel like you're an ally? Like when you th- like I think of myself as a lot allied to certain communities. Yeah, I. I guess, I guess I'm taking it in good faith that like, like I'm sitting in this room with you and Andrew. Like that's got to mean something. Um, and and of course, like you both could be like, no, <laughs> like you're not there yet. Um, and I think that that would be fine too. I um, because like I don't, I, I I totally, yeah. Like I don't get to define the terms of that of that relationship. Mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. not like. If I'm an ally, um, it's it's really not about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what irritates mm-hmm, me mm-hmm. about white people dubbing themselves allies is yeah. that it becomes about them, not the person, not the people that they're claiming to be. Is it allied to? Yeah. Am I using that correctly? Yeah, that's yeah. a word. Yeah, yeah. I, and and you know, like the so much of the so much of the landscape changes, mm-hmm. like. I, there's no way I'm an ally all the time to everybody. I think ally, 
I think you can be an ally all the time. I think being an ally is being committed to challenging the systems and the confines of the systems that we exist in Yeah. for different communities. Yeah. And I think it is a discipline. Totally. It is not something that you arrive at. And, and, and to your point, like that's why you take your cues not from your own understanding yes. of the of the terms. Yep. It's relational. Yep. Did you did you have an answer for this? Uh, no, I think your answer was good. The whole what you're emphasized about how like what separates an ally from being like a performative ally mm-hmm. is are you are you in it for yourself? And that's I mean that's that's a continuous conversation to have in mm-hmm. um I I'm I'm likely to answer that question a different way if it weren't that like I'm actually accountable to real people that I care about. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that, that makes, makes a, a difference. difference. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, in in the same, even for, in an intersectional sense, or even like, in a friendship sense, you can tell somebody is your friend because they, in some way, have emptied themselves in order to be present for you. Mm-hmm. It's not about them getting something out of this transactional relationship. Right. Mm-hmm. It is what Jesus embodies which is giving up yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no greater love than this than somebody who lays down his life for his friends. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. an ally. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a good answer. That's yeah. the end of the podcast. All right, cool. <laughs> uh, so we like to close out our podcast by talking about what we're into this week. Beth, you want to kick us off? Yes. I was talking about this before, or maybe we were recording, but before you guys will hear it. But I am very much so into the song Leave the Door Open by Anderson Pock and Bruno Mars. It's beautiful. Has like a 70s funk vibe. I love it. Um, I am... I got up at 5.30 this morning, mm. which like is not a thing I do any day out of the air except Easter Sunday. Right. <laughs> um, and Janine and I went to... Um, Fairmount Park, where there are tons of cherry blossoms right now. Oh, fun. And just, like, went out there before anybody was there, which is crazy to think about because this place is so beautiful and so accessible. And we were the only ones in this giant orchard of cherry blossoms in bloom. Oh, fun. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm, I'm definitely into this time and into this time in this city. That's awesome. Philly in the spring. Yeah. I am into... I, I just finished Colson Whitehead's The Underground Railroad. It's a novel about a slave escaping on the Underground Railroad. Uh, except that the conceit of this novel... And I'm super <laughs> like, late to this. That is too on the head. It's very on the head. It's very on the nose because in this book, The Underground Railroad is an actual railroad. Oh, that's oh. amazing. Okay. Yeah. So it's not, it's not really science fiction. It's like speculative fiction. Yeah. It's like, got some like... It's like not a subway. It's it's it, it is a train, but it, it it's never explained fully. Okay. It's like because it even the book is is technically historical. It's like set in the antebellum South, but it mm-hmm. incorporates all these other eras of the Black experience from other parts of American history. Mm. So it feels a little bit fantastical. Interesting. Um, and I I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed. I don't know. I, I haven't been able to stop thinking about it and how it ends and on this really kind of ambiguous note about whether whether freedom is possible mm. i don't know it, it, oh. it it's good i dig i dig it a lot it's uh it's a good book nice. um so special thanks to 
Joe Mahoney. Yes, Joe Mahoney. Yes, Joe Mahoney. We get to thank you ah, after a year. Uh, special yes. thanks to Joe Mahoney, um, our sound engineer, and um, also to Tess Patino, our social media manager, director. Jared Selby does our theme song. Uh, it feels like I don't know what to say because I haven't done this in person in a while. Yeah. But with that being said. Wait, wait, wait. Uh, so, like, website, social media deeds. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, it came to me after that. (laughs) (laughs) So let us know what you think about the podcast. Let us know how you're working out your faith in Jesus um, and navigating being anti-racist. Contact us on the website, colorcorrectionpodcast.com. Leave us a a message. And with that being said, stay black, little mermaid, and get vaxxed. All right. (laughs) Stay black and get vaxxed. (laughs) 